0: This episode is rated explicit. It contains themes and discussions which may not be suitable for very young audiences. Parental guidance is advised. Around 80% of the Philippine population identifies as Roman Catholic, so the Catholic Church largely influences the state of sex education in the country. The church opposes sex outside of marriage and fears sex education will increase sexual relations. Additionally, the church opposes implementing sex education in schools as well as the distribution of contraceptives. It prefers to rely on parents to teach their kids about reproductive health. However, many families are either unequipped to do so or will not address the subject directly with their children. Because of this, a lot of Filipino adults who grew up in the Philippines are uninformed about sex, and don't even know the basic concepts such as, what is consent, and how do you know that you've already had sex? Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of BananaQ Podcast. Today, we have a special guest. Frances is a Filipino love, sex, and relationship coach based in Canada. She also has a podcast called Liberating Me, where she gets candid about her journey towards liberation, decolonization, and stripping down a ton of conditioning that does not serve her. So Frances, hi, welcome to our show.
1: Well, thank you for having me, first of all, and I'm really excited to be here today.
0: So how did you actually end up being in Canada?
1: So funny story, (laughs) my mom, who's originally from Visayas, um, my mom is originally from Leyte, went to med school in Cebu, finished her residency in Manila, and then married a guy from Manila, my dad, and then basically put her practice in Manila. So one day on my last year in university, my uncle, who still lives in Leyte, asked my mom, oh, can you accompany me in Manila? I'm going to attend an orientation around Canada and so my mom is like sure I'm gonna accompany you and then when she sat down in the orientation she's like it looks like Canada is so cool and because she's a doctor here um, in the Philippines she applied thinking you know her younger brother was coming with her because we don't know anyone here and then four months later after the application we got approved
2: oh
1: we're like we're all shocked I thought at first she was just joking because at that time I was in the state doing like an exchange program, and then I told her I don't think we can do Canada or US because it's already cold in the US. <laughs> I mean I can't handle. Cold. You want to go to like Canada even colder? And then after four months the paperwork came out, and then two months later they left the Philippines. So all in 2011, applied in April, paperwork came out in August left Canada for October and then I was left finished in the Philippines with my last semester in university and at that time I'm conflicted whether I want to move because you know when you're in the Philippines when you finish a degree you kind of put yourself in a certain pedestal that, oh, I'm going to be a career woman. This is- so I was so conflicted until finally I was sitting and I'm like, you know what, I might as well go because, you know, my entire immediate family, which is my mom and my sister, are already here. And then, yeah, I move here and I was miserable in a nutshell. And then <laughs> okay. my uncle, who invited us to that orientation, is still in the Philippines. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Teasing him, like, I think you scam us to go in to move here.
0: <laughs> The irony, of course, you've been there for a while, right? So by now, I, I hope that you already know people.
1: Yeah, by now, I'm, I think I'm fully integrated. I'd like to think that.
0: Great, that's great to hear. Okay, the love and sex coach. What does that mean? How and why did you decide to become one?
1: What happened is that when I first moved here in Canada, I didn't know what to do with my life. <laughs> you know, it's so <laughs> Because Canada is such a diverse country wherein they really root for immigrants to pump the economy. They have a lot of mm-hmm. non-profit programs that help immigrants integrate to Canadian culture. In one of that program, they put me, a youth integration programmer, and I just sit down, listen about Canadian culture, listen about life skills.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I'm like, in my head, these life skills are so much common sense. Why are they teaching that? But <laughs> it makes sense. For me, I'm willing... I'm really to sit down in the class because we get paid minimum wage just to listen. And then they pay for a a transit pass. So, you know, my immigrant self is like, oh, my God, it's cheap. It's free. I get paid. So no problem. I don't have to find a job (laughs) right
2: away. Yeah.
1: And so in that integration class, that's kind of when I first encountered life skills. But the more I go deeper into it, I'm like, this is actually useful. And then timely Mm. at that time, the facilitator, who's also a coach, is relaunching the program for coach training. And because we're 18 in the class, I have a podcast that gives you a little bit of context like first episode of my podcast kind of like shared what brought me to coaching, but uh-huh. to summarize it in this episode, she have seen how much I'm open and willing to like learn and translate it in a way that makes sense and useful to me. So she invited me to do the coaching program. And at that time, I'm clueless, right? I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know what coaching is. I didn't know there's a million-dollar industry behind it already. And plus, the the people who taught me coaching are like old ladies. like the like 60s (laughs) and 70s. I'm the youngest at that time. I'm only 21. The next youngest is like 31,
2: 32.
0: Oh, wow. You're really young, the the batch. Uh,
1: Yeah. And then there's like, I think, 12 of us, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And there's only two Asian. And then one of them dropped because she got pregnant. (laughs) The next youngest is around 33. And then the next one is in her 40s or 50s. I'm the youngest, I'm the most clueless bunch The problems that I bring in the table are so just, you know, if you look back, I'm just like a whiny lady, like, oh, my boyfriend, I just want to sit like that. (laughs) And so I finished the program. And at that time, while I was in the program, I was in a long distance relationship. And I was like, oh, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. Only to find out after the program, like, you know what? This is not serving me anymore. This is bullshit. And so I let go of that relationship after I completed the program because I I felt that I finally integrated all of the lessons in me, that I had the courage Mm. to, you know what, let go that doesn't serve me. And then I started dating. But when I started dating, that's when I kind of like, this is fun, this is interesting until I met my now husband. Mm-hmm. He ended up becoming the first guy that I ever went out with, that I ever literally did everything. Went out on movies, gone on dates because my last relationship was a long distance so right off the bat. We would only see each other once or twice a year, right? Yeah, that's different. We're emotionally connected but we're so physically disconnected but you know the mm-hmm. distance make the heart grow fonder. That's like our theme but then now mm-hmm. i have a real a consistent human in my life that I go out with and I'm a late bloomer because I had sex late my husband is the first guy I ever slept with I think I'm already 24 when it happened and I was so oblivious of what sex is like growing up in the Philippines I party a lot I you know I go to clubs I, I meet a lot of men but funny story anytime I get contact with them physically like I don't mind making out but the moment that I feel that they're hard I panic. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready. I'm going to die. I'm not ready. I'm so young. I was like what, 16, 17, 18. And so I'm really fortunate that the men that I have encountered during my party days are very respectful of my boundaries. They don't really yes. expect me to have sex with them. Finally, as an adult, I have an opportunity to push boundaries because now I feel like I'm a more responsible Person, because I have a job, right? You know, I have a job. I <laughs> okay, I can I fool around. And so when it first happened, I didn't even know that that was sex already. Like, nobody told me sexist. Like, I thought you we were just. <laughs> and so I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, this feels good. And usually, the common theme they would tell you, oh, when you first do it, it's painful. But it didn't
2: mm-hmm. feel any
1: pain. Everything really felt good. And then, when my husband, at that time when we were dating, finally broke the ice and said, You know, we're actually having sex. And I'm like, What? This is it? <laughs> what? Are you sure? Are you sure? I was so in, much in shock because. We're not even one year at that time. We're not even six months at that time. And I was so disappointed of myself because, you know, I thought if I'm going to have sex with someone for the first time, you know, how Filipinos were raised, oh, you know, you need to be at least dating them long-term or at least you're someone you're going to marry. Yes. I don't really see him as someone I'm going to marry. I just, you know, this is just me dating for the first time, having fun, but I don't really intend <laughs> to just sleep <laughs> with someone so I was really disappointed with myself and I carry so much shame. And I think for the first two to three years in our relationship, I denied that we had sex. Like when people ask me, do you guys have sex? I'm like, no, we never had sex. You respect my boundaries. You oh, already have done it because at that time I was so much in denial of what happened. I haven't really fully wrapped my head around it and I thought I was doing the right thing. And then I think on our second year, obviously there's already sex involved in that two year span. That's when problems start to come up because him born and raised in Canada, he's Filipino, but he was born and raised here. He never really dated anyone from the Philippines. If he dated a Filipina, maybe once or twice in his life, but they're all born and raised here. So their culture is somewhat, you know, aligned because they're both Canadian, you know, they're both Canadian Filipinos. And so I never really understood like how to navigate this. You know, I think I'm really good at dating, but the sex piece, I'm like, this is not what I'm expecting it to be. At that time, I'm experiencing chronic yeast infection and bacterial vaginosis, and I was shutting down, judging myself, because why am I having these infections? I'm only sleeping with one guy. Am I dirty? I'm having these messages in my head, like, I need to be ashamed of myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: All of these messages or, you know, the culture that was fed to me is that when someone is having, like, infection, especially sexual reproductive infection. You're being judged, and I'm judging myself, and I don't understand why it keeps coming back. Mm. And then I asked the doctors, Why do you think I'm having this? And he's like, Oh, you know, you're probably stressed. And I'm like, What? Stress? What am I stressed about? Am I not supposed to be stressed because I'm having sex? Like, in my head, it's <laughs> like my, the messages in uh-huh. my head, right? And so. The reason why I end up becoming a love-sex relationship coach because after my first coaching program, I kind of have learned how to set boundaries and realistic expectations with my husband at that time. And this is me still unsure with him, but still setting boundaries. I'm telling him, you know what? If after three years we're not engaged, we might as well break up because you're wasting my time. You know, you're wasting my youth. If you don't have plans with me, I'm not interested to continue having a relationship with you because I just wasted five years of my life dating long distance. So now, you know, if you are not serious, stop wasting my time because I'm not getting any younger. I want to have fun. I want to be able to venture out if you're not serious with me. And so I gave him three things that he needs to meet before he can propose because I think on our, a year and a half he asked me to move in with him and I'm like no I'm not gonna move in with you I'm Filipino like we don't move in
0: just <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah live in oh my god it's a sin right in the Philippines like oh my god you're living in you're living in sin
1: <laughs> and for me I'm still a traditional <laughs> Filipina even if I'm like you know I party a lot I still kept that traditional value so I told him if you want me to move in with you you gotta put a ring on my finger and put it he said, well, I was not raised to be with a woman I never lived with. And I said, I was not raised to be with a man who doesn't have the balls to seal the deal. So you either take it or leave it. And so I think we're <laughs> on in our relationship because of my first coach training program, which is a general life coaching program. I kind of have set the boundaries for that and kind of set the expectations. And when you start meeting my expectations about the criteria before I marry him, that's when I start to panic. Because I'm like, holy shit, it's really serious. I told him he, I want him to go to the Philippines so to be introduced to my friends, understand my life, see where I came from. So he never been, he'd never been to the Philippines the way oh. I go back, like, you know, tour around, understand my culture. The last time he went to the Philippines, he was there for five days. And oh, what do you see in five days? Traffic.
2: That's all you see.
1: So he's slowly ticking the box. And then I started panicking because... I don't know if I really want to marry this guy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Okay. After I set the expectation, like, this is what I want, one, two, three, and he's doing it because he really wants to marry me. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to marry you. Like, I'm so (laughs) unsure with
2: you.
1: And it's not just about him at that time. I didn't realize at that time, but it's also about me. started going to therapy, trying to learn more about what's going on with me, how come I'm unsure after I've said what I want. And that's when I found this school called the Tantric Institute for Integrated Sexuality. Mm. It's an institute based in LA. The owner is Layla Martin. So if you go to Martin.com, so she's my teacher. I, I end up going to her coaching program that specializes love, sex, and relationships. Ah. So the first time I got introduced to her program it's Jade Egg. Essentially a jade egg that you kind of put like in your vagina and meditate on it. I'm not really the best person to describe it. I know it sounds google in the air <laughs> that you put something inside of you. Yeah. But it kind of like opens things up for me and i've realized how much my body is shut down because of the messages growing up of the conditioning that i grew up to the catholic upbringing that i was in because that yeah. jade and a lot of people it's so easy for them to just put it in for me it took me eight months to have my body even accept it you don't just grab it and put it inside you and force it to you. Yes. The disclaimer alert, I waited before my body is actually fully ready to like just, you know, suck it inside me. Like I just put it there. If it doesn't want to enter, okay, let's move on. I'm not ready. I'm contracted. And so when I did that and I've come to realization that, oh my God, I'm so shut down. And this is why I'm so unsure with myself. I'm so unsure with what I want because I'm so used to accepting things because I don't mind. And so when I finally receive things that I really want, I doubt whether I deserve it, whether it's really what I want, because I rarely get
2: what I want. Uh-huh.
1: And it's a theme for a lot of women, not just for Latinos, it's a theme for a lot of women to constantly give, give, give. And that's when I told my husband at that time, I can't afford a program. I want to take this program. I don't care if I have to pay the payment plan, but I'm going to do it. And he's, he's like the conservative one who doesn't really want to spend any much money. And he said, can't you wait another year before you join that program you just burn money here in this coaching? And I'm like, no, I don't want to wait another year because if I wait another year, I would wait another year to figure out if I really want to be with you. And I don't want to waste that year. <laughs> and that's when I started my journey with the intention to actually use it for me to like discover parts of me that have shut down because of the conditioning growing up. That don't touch yourself. That's considered dirty. You know, you touch yourself. Jesus is watching you or someone <laughs> out. <know?
2: laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: So the first time that I start buying like a sex toy and I don't even know what they do and it's like I'm fucking 27 and what the heck am I doing I'm just so clueless so that's kind of how I end up to summarize it all out of my own need <laughs> out of my own struggle in my relationship I thought that the first coaching program was enough uh-huh but it only got me the relationship that I deserve but it didn't bring me the relationship that I want. I see so I think that's a whole new different level so that's why I end up becoming a coach
0: okay but how long did this program take then
1: so it's a one year program so we started okay. January 2019 it ends in January 2019 in December 2019 uh-huh. and then we have another year to complete our major so I majored in women empowerment and relationship transformation I see okay because obviously I would not be able to transform my own relationship
0: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> I've come to realize that as a woman We are taught around so many disempowering ideas about ourselves that we have to rewire. Like an example of this is women having kids or not having kids. Yes. If a woman is um in a corporate ladder, a director, but doesn't have kids, we judge them. Or like society judges, not just women. Oh, you know, she's selfish, she just wants her career. But then if a woman was career oriented had a kid and decides to work oh she's not really a good mother because she's not taking care of her kids but then if yes. a woman decides to not work and just become a housewife and take care of kids oh you know what you don't have any work because you don't have a job you're not making money it's like you can never win <laughs> yeah. and so imagine exactly how many women in those areas of life not just like in a teenage years but also an adult have to sit with that narrative and think that's actually their work because other people, not just yeah. other women, but society in general, is judging them for their choice. And I think that's the reason why I pick women empowerment as a major, too, because there's so much disconnect around women's power and how we use it. We use it, we judge them. we don't use it we judge them so where do you go
0: yeah you're right you have a point on the job thing right if a man is like a director or whatever and he has a kid and he doesn't have time for his kids nobody judges him for that it's like oh he's just making money it's okay it's the wife's job to take care of the kid which is unfair like you both parented that individual why is it the onus is more on the woman right
1: (laughs) yeah and then you wonder why people have issues with their relationship dynamic with the opposite sex because they don't really have a well-balanced example growing up on what it's like to have a relationship with a mother finger and a father finger and i think even men struggle now to even connect it's like women just want to connect and men just are very transactional they're expected to produce results and now they're expected to connect but their entire life they're just expected to produce results and now you want us to connect like i don't i don't know how (laughs) yeah What I find with the relationship work that I do is that if only one person is doing the work, Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to have a huge progress because it's like only one person is driving the work for two people. Uh, And that's why I think it's important men also do the work because when I was doing the relationship transformation, I mean, my major... It's like sometimes I expect my husband to to give me something other than what I'm giving, because you know, like let's equal the playing field here. And when I let go of that expectation and give him the power of choice of like it's up to you if you wanna. I offered him my classmates are specializing in men's sexuality. It's completely up to you if you wanna. Take advantage of that. I strongly recommend because they, they charge really expensive. So getting it for free is uh-huh. a really huge deal. You can meet them, see if you're a good fit. And if you like them, then they'll do it. And I don't expect him. I don't force him. I just allow him to make that choice for himself. And when he consciously makes that choice, it's easier for us to come together and actually evaluate where we're at do the self-work that we need to do in order when we come together and do the work, it actually gives us more results. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at.
0: <laughs> you are in a position wherein you grew up in the Philippines and then you moved to Canada. So you have a comparison, right? Mm-hmm. What's the main difference between how Filipino women in the Philippines and in Canada, you know, perceive sexuality?
1: I think one of the biggest thing is that because Philippines is a Catholic or Christian-dominated country Uh we're so fixated on being clean and you know um, just being (laughs) modest all the time not that they're not modest here but because of that and we don't have any proper sex education yes the the most sex education we get is the introduction of the reproductive system Uh uh-huh but there's no discussion around consent like what does consent look like how does it look like to ask for consent because we are taught in the philippines that if you say yes right away to a request of a guy, you're like, Oh, you're easy to get. Yes. We're asked when we say no now, men get confused because are they just playing hard to get or is no really no? Yeah. Whereas here, they actually not really all, but for the most part, they understand what consent is. Or maybe I'm just lucky enough to only have met men who respected my no. This is, you know, other people don't
0: yes yeah you're right
1: <laughs> so i think that's like one thing, and the other thing is that men usually know how to ask i find a lot of men they try to kind of and i think this is the problem with a lot of men or the challenge a lot of men find in the philippines is because women never really is exposed to their own sexuality or they don't have a relationship with their own sexuality we or i at least expect my husband to tell me what it feels good to tell me <laughs> what to do, you know, rather than me telling him, this is what I want and this is what I need you to do. And that, because we're so shut down with our sexuality, we don't even know what we want and what we don't like. Yes, and so we true. kind of like, we depend on men, or at least my experiences, I depended on my husband to just explore with me. And I remember <laughs> he told me like, stop expecting me to know everything about you because it's not my body, it's your body. So it's your responsibility.
0: Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah,
1: and husband is, <laughs> you know... <laughs> He can be straight side with it and makes me think, you know what, It kind of makes sense. So even if he sounds like a jerk, it's reality. Yeah. <laughs> he told me that once you are expected to know yourself you know, your body, mm-hmm. and you tell me what is it that you want, and I'll do it for you.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, you
1: don't expect me to kind of like navigate you. You know, that's that's what you just <laughs> see in the movies. does that, not how it goes down to reality. Okay. Movies are both... Just- <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I think that's one of the main differences, and I think because Canada is a very progressive country, they, you get free condom. Oh. Like, you just go to a health clinic, you just grab condom, different flavors, different types. asked in the Philippines, you still buy condom with so much shame. Yes. Seven <laughs> eleven and there's like contraction of like, oh my god, I'm buying a condom, everybody's looking at me, everybody's judging me, and they're judging the person that I'm with it that they're shooting at me. <laughs> yes. there's this entire That story. is so true. <laughs> One other thing is that it's so common for people to just go to the clinic and have themselves tested, sexually transmitted
2: disease. Ah. And,
1: and, and it's like, there's no judgment. It's sort of like, you know what? Getting tested, you know, you're taking care of yourself. Yes. rather in the Philippines, I'm hearing stories that obviously you would have to write how many sexual partners you have. And like, nurses would still judge you and giggle, like, oh my god, she has like at least 10 sex partners. <laughs> There's so much judgment around that. And I think even like obviously abortion is legal so here and in Philippines, it's not, it's a crime. And so those little things that you, you don't think it matters because, you know, we've mm-hmm. lived, life. and this is what I tell my colleagues, I've lived life so much without those things. I didn't thought it was a big deal in that until I move here and it appeared in my life that the lack of it caused a lot of problems in my life because I don't have a context of what sex is. And so I think that's the main difference. The those little things
0: yeah in in the philippines because it's a catholic country i suppose like you're right we are not even taught about sex and also there is a stigma if you talk especially if you're a woman and you talk about it of course parents you never talk to your parents about that that's the other thing in other countries it's the parents who sit down and have the talk with their kids but in the philippines i think it's taboo or it's like oh it's too embarrassing to talk about
1: there's there's so much discomfort around it and i find that for some reason we're just expected to just have sex when we want to have kids. Yeah. And that's just like the context that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. There's no context that sex is for pleasure and it's okay to feel pleasure. And and that's the biggest thing. Is like we neglect the most primal part of ourselves, the most natural thing that comes up in our life. Like sexual urges is so natural, yet it made it sound like it's so evil.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Like oh my god you're dirty because you're horny. <laughs> really, it's natural. It's, it's so normal. It's so normal that for some some twisted reason we were thought that it's really no, it's not normal for you to have gorgeous. You just have to suppress it. You know if you're touching yourself uh-huh. that's bad. That's mean. mean <laughs> there's so much discomfort around it that even now as an adult when you hear someone says I'm horny we kind of like squeal. like oh my god are you really horny like. <laughs> And also,
0: another thing you mentioned consent right in the Philippines, that's not a concept that is thought at all, and I only found out about it through like t v shows or whatever and If you have sex with someone from the West, they will ask you even if you you have all your clothes off or whatever, and if you know you're ready to do it, they ask you It's in the Philippines if you just go into a room with a guy, they expect that you're already giving your consent for yes. everything, <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case. <laughs>
1: me crazy and what really drove me toward like advocating in my social media because a lot of my friends in my social media are filipinos is that i've been hearing stories that men would just approach a girl like they're dating they're together they're in a relationship would just approach a woman their girlfriend and just touch them sexually without asking and assuming it's okay yeah and the woman their girlfriend is in shock like oh my god like i've never had sex before i've never had anyone touch me am i supposed to be okay because she's my boyfriend this girl is just like being showered with all of the self-doubt you could ever think of because in one head in one part of her like this should be okay because we're dating but a part of her is mm-hmm. like but i'm not really feeling comfortable but it's supposed to be okay because, you know, like we're together when really when there's a piece of you that's uncomfortable, it's a no. It's a no, even if you're dating. Yes. When I first started dating here in Canada, I always end up in houses of men, like the first few dates, like I'm so gullible and so innocent at the age of like what, 22, 23 or like on our first date and like, Oh, you want to hang out in my place? I have like, let's watch TV. And at that time, I have no concept of Netflix and chill. I don't have concept of tinder as a hookup up i'm like sure and then i would go to her place and literally like mm-hmm. expect to just watch a movie and <laughs> this one time this guy like he said oh there's no coffee shop nearby but i have an espresso machine at home do you want to like hang out at my place drink coffee there i'm like sure let's go to your place and let's have coffee and i showed him how to use his espresso machine and then he kind of mm-hmm. like disappeared for a bit and then he came back he was naked and i'm like yeah. Oh my God, okay. Like, why are you naked? <laughs> okay. Like, I don't make it. And I'm like, and then I told him, I, I don't think this is going to work out between the two of us. I like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't think we're on the same page. It's like, what do you mean? I met him. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm still a virgin, so I don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, why are you in Tinder then? I'm like, no, well, because my friend told me, you know, meet other people, you know, find a new friend. So I went to Tinder and literally meet new people. Like I took it literally. And he's like, No, Tinder's a hookup app I'm like, Oh, okay. So I, I don't and I think at that time because I was very clear, I'm not ready to have sex, right? I don't know you when mm-hmm. I met you, like this is the first time I'm meeting you. I went I went to your place with understanding we're just gonna have coffee because you have an espresso machine. And then you're naked suddenly. I don't know why you're brushing my hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is so funny. And then.
1: Because she said, you know what? They're lucky that, you know, I'm okay with it. Because if it's any other guy, they kind of like expect you to have sex with them. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think after that point, I remember after like multiple dates of going to men's houses. And I think it happened three more times <laughs> It's like I never learned my lesson, <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to go dating anymore. And then when I started going back to dating, and I met my husband, I told my friend, "Okay, I'm, I'm meeting this guy at a restaurant. This is the information of the restaurant. I'll take a photo of his vehicle if I end up going to his vehicle. After 24 hours, you haven't heard from me, call the cops." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell, because I went again to someone's house. <laughs> I'm so privileged that I was able to honor my no in those moments and I have flat out have said no and I did not shut down and freeze. But imagine women who are already in a relationship and is in freeze mode because their partners expect them to just accept it just because I got news. And I, I told my husband, I'm like, what do you, what do you think about men saying i got needs, he said they're just desperate to have sex with you or because if they say they got needs they can provide it to themselves by touching themselves. Why do they have to pressure you in doing it?
0: He's right though. Yeah, I think that's the problem in the Philippines that they think that just because you are you already agreed to be their girlfriend, that basically you agree to everything they want to do ever, which is not usually the case, right? But yeah. Even in the moment, if you had at the beginning of the night you decided, okay, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna have sex. But you could always change your mind in between and but they need to respect us. The problem is in the Philippines, men like to say, You led me on. Like, how dare you blue ball me? You have no right to do that. Like, why is it again our problem?
1: <laughs> right. Why? If I ask you to go down on me and you don't give it, can I tell you you led me on? You led me to believe in that. <laughs> mister. So what? Who's the bitch now? (laughs) For women out there, especially Filipino women, especially the party scene in the Philippines, a lot of people come in to the party scene as an adult, very much unaware of who they are, what they want, and the center that they end up Saying yes to the things they don't like, they end up getting raped. They end up being unsure whether or not that was rape or not. Like, I have people tell me, like, I'm not really sure if that was rape because there's no penetration. I don't know if I should, like, complain. And then I'm like, the fact that you doubt your experience, it's just so sad. And, I mean, it's not just Philippines. I've met women here in in North America who have that experience. But for them, there's so much support, right? Like you know that issue I've heard in the Philippines that there's this like attendant who went in the hotel yes. with a bunch of apparently gay guys, but <laughs> but I don't know what happened.
0: I think apparently they realized she wasn't really raped, but before that verdict came out, the news was that she was raped and a lot of people were blaming her, the victim. Yeah. Like, oh, why did she agree to be in a room with a bunch of guys? Then it's like, it was her fault. It was her just like inviting them to do whatever they wanted with her. Like, that is such a wrong mentality to have. And that's the really annoying thing about Filipinos in general that they like to blame the victim. Like, if somebody got raped, the first question is, what was she wearing?
1: Yes. I mean, look at me. I went to random stranger's house. I, my sister learned about it. My younger sister, obviously, she kind of like grew up here as a teenager. She's like, why would you do that? I can't believe you're my sister. I'm <laughs> talking random stranger's house. And, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm gullible at that time. I, I really literally don't know anything. I didn't know any better. Yeah. But now, if I trust the guy energetically, I would still go to their house. Up to this day. But however, I set the expectation right away before I go to their place. Like, I just want you to know. I don't want you to expect I was like having sex or anything like that. Ah. Especially when I was talking, I'm already engaged. I would still go out with men and I would tell them, I I just want to let you know I'm already engaged. I'm not really looking for anything romantic, but I wouldn't mind to hang out with you and get to know you and just make new friends or create connection. And I think men really appreciate that, that like it's clear to them, which is for the most part. Ah, uh, yeah. They always kind of like expected to figure out women. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then I think that's really important for, for women to feel confident to say what they want and not second guess themselves with the decision they make because men are thought that she's just playing hard to get so now they're gonna ask again ask again and expect to yeah, say yes. exactly and then that's when we feel questioned oh my god he keeps asking he keeps asking i might as well say yes and i think that's like the biggest struggle among our culture because we were women are taught one thing and men were taught another thing and now we try to come in together mm-hmm. and there's just so much disconnect. One person thinks the other thing and then the other gender thinks another thing. So that's why I think self-work first and then coming to the relationship work with your uh. someone is very important because understanding your own conditioning before you even try to fix a relationship. And I think that's my struggle in my own relationship. I, I come in with the intention to fix our relationship first when it turned out I have to do my own work I have to fix me first
0: so when you work with your clients so they raise their issues and then you help them
1: for one-on-one clients it's usually when they come to me obviously it's in the context of love section relationship love it could be because they're wanting to find love but they're not finding it okay and then one of the things that we'll uncover around that is that they lack the self-love that they need in order for them to show up or just the confidence that they need right sometimes love equates to confidence the more you love yourself the more you are sure with yourself and when you are sure with yourself the more confident you are with yourself but even if a guy says no it's not a big deal like when a date didn't work out it's not about me it's about we're not just compatible and that's okay basically they usually come with a problem around those areas love and relationship I kind of like ask questions and be deep. Where does she think coming from? What's her upbringing? A lot of that inquiry first. So the way I work with one-on-one or couples is I let them sign intake form. I ask them what is their desire? Mm. Because a lot of people get confused. What is a therapist and what's a coach, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially for me, I didn't really felt any difference seeing my therapist or seeing a coach. Because the way I approach my therapist is the way I coach. So for my therapist, I'm just, I'm a very lovable client because I'm very much very clear with what I want. This is where I want to go. This is my struggles. And how can we go there? The difference with therapists and coaching first is they usually deal with problems. Like I'm embolening, I have mental health issues, I can't sleep. But with my coaching work, I ask them what is it that they want? What is it that they desire to have in their life? And so there are therapists who work that way, but it's very rare. You just have to find a true match. So for me, I usually tell my clients I'm a trauma-informed coach, but I'm not a trauma-trained coach. And usually these are women who have history of abuse of any kind. Uh, and if, if they haven't done the work, any type of trauma work, then I usually refer them first to a mental health specialist. Because I don't want them to start having, like, psychosis during our session
2: when they haven't yeah. done the work.
1: You know, I'm very aware on how to hold space for trauma because I'm a trauma informed coach, but I'm not trained to consistently support them, right? Because it's a different okay, type yeah, of level. Yeah. So, so that's the main difference with coaching and therapy is that therapy is more like science, more a mental health issues, the problem. Mm-hmm. Therapists, they usually help people to survive. Ah, uh,
0: yeah, so yeah. Okay. You know, that's you know, a good you know, difference. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, they're trying to survive. So here's what's happening for us coaches especially coaches who knows what they want and who knows who who they want to work with. they only deal with clients who's ready to thrive. I see. They're working, they're happy with their life, but there's just something missing. And so we kind of like bridge the gap mm-hmm. of, this is what I want, but I don't know how to get there. Please help me.
0: That's a good difference. Okay.
1: When someone is trying to survive, they don't have the capacity to care about tools and how they're going to try. Their mind space is all about, I just need to survive. And this is the reason why there's no such thing as mental health in our culture in the Philippines. Because for the longest time, our parents, our ancestors are so busy trying to survive that they don't have time to whine about the wrong apple. And their first priority is to (laughs) bring food, right? (laughs) Because right now, Uh we're so privileged with the fact that we have access to so many things. Have the internet, if yes. you have questions, we ask Google. Back then, if you have questions, you have to go to the library, walk 10 kilometers to go to your school to just get the information that you need or see a doctor, right? Now, everyone is like doctors, like Dr. Google, like <laughs>
2: everyone is like, that. Uh, Yeah, <laughs> and
1: so that's the reason why there's so much stigma around therapy and coaching. It's because of that. Back then, everybody's just busy surviving, they don't really care about thriving, you know, we just provide food on the table, and now we're in really a great place of being able to have a choice to, to thrive mm. and that's usually my client so you can find me on instagram at the modern life coach you can find me in facebook which is facebook.com slash modern life coach but i also have a podcast you can find it in any podcast platform like spotify google podcast apple podcast Called Liberating Me and Liberating Me podcast is all about my liberation journey towards love, sexual and relationship, and personal growth. I usually interview people that I have interests around topics like my colleagues in the industry, like anal sex yeah. for men, like what it's like for a woman to give anal sex for men, like things like oh, wow. that. <laughs> Maybe weird for some, especially from the culture we're in, <laughs> but it's definitely from uh-huh. an eye opening one. And then, because I just turned. 30 this month i'm also hosting like Mm. a liberating circle for women which is happening every saturday first saturday of the month so whatever month you're listening into just head straight to my instagram and click the link in my bio and that's where you can register for the next circle essentially that circle is i'm wanting to create a safe space for women to share their feelings express their concerns and learn from me in such a small way because it's a, a good way for me to kind of like learn where people is at i just love listening to people. So that's one way to kind of interact with me and learn more from me on a hands-on without having to pay anything. So that's kind of like how how I want to celebrate my 30th is just giving back.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing about that. I think uh, a lot of women would probably be interested, especially Filipinos who are not really sure if they want to hire a love coach yet. This would give them a taste of what it's like to just feel what that is about first and also to be surrounded by other women like themselves who are open about talking about these things. Because again, in the Philippines, This is not really something that's normal to just discuss with anyone, so (laughs) so for
1: having me and allowing me to share my advocacy, I
2: guess.
0: (laughs) If you like this episode, you may also like episode twenty five. Does culture matter in a relationship? To be notified whenever we have a new episode, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Wherever you listen to podcasts, or follow at Banana Key Podcasts on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.